I, I believe all addictions are caused from disconnection. I don't actually believe that abstinence, for example, is the cure to alcoholism. I think connecting is the cure. Connecting to your heart, connecting to your body, connecting to your higher self. Because when we're addicted to something, it's because we're disconnected from our truth, mm-hmm. from ourselves. Welcome to the Goddess Talk Podcast, a platform inspiring visionary, spiritual women to remember their power, rise into their soul purpose, and activate their most fulfilling, abundant lives. Join me and my guests for conversations around spirituality, self-development, wellness, women's empowerment, and intentional, intuitive business. Thank you so much for being with me, and let's begin. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to Goddess Talk Podcast. I hope you all are doing so well and having an amazing week. In this episode, I'm interviewing Jillian Redrow, who is a healing facilitator helping women living on shoulds, shame, and guilt to stop the constant dieting and drinking so they can thrive. She believes that when we reconnect to our bodies and begin to live from our intuition, healing, growth, and a life we are in love with becomes possible. In this conversation, we talked about why alcoholism, disordered eating, and other addictions are a direct result of disconnection with our hearts and bodies, why discovering the root cause of any issue we're experiencing isn't necessarily required to heal from it, Using emotional resourcing to overcome triggers, stop identifying with pain, and find safety in the body, and letting go of shoulds to take our power back. So Jillian is absolutely incredible. She is a friend of mine and just someone whose work I deeply respect. And in this episode, she shares her story of dealing with alcoholism and eating disorder, being in an abusive relationship, and really everything in between along her journey in such an open and vulnerable way and just has so much insight to offer. I have no doubt you all will appreciate listening as much as I enjoyed having her on. I did just want to give a fair warning before you listen that the beginning of our conversation got cut off in the recording, so it starts midway through the intro questions, but we still have almost an hour of hour-long episode, so fret not, you're not missing much. There's still plenty to listen to, but I just wanted to give you a heads up that it does start a little bit abruptly just midway through the warm-up questions. So. With all that being said, I'm going to leave it here. I hope that you enjoy episode 36 with Jillian Redrow. What excites you the most about the work that you're doing in the world right now? What excites me the most? I just so deeply 
feel the need, and I know so many people are waking up to this as well, to change the way that we relate to food in our bodies, men too, but especially in women. So helping women, like you read my I help statement, so many of us are living on these shoulds and the shame and the guilt when it comes to anxiety around food in our bodies. And it's all conditioning and it's accepted. It's like, you know, when we're a group of girls, it's like, oh, I shouldn't eat that burger or shouldn't have dessert, you know? And the other girls are like, yeah, we really shouldn't. And it's like, mm-hmm. what is this, you know? So I, what I'm most excited about is um, really, I'd, I'm not creating the wave, but helping the wave that's happening right now of helping women wake up and realize this is our one precious life. No one's going to be on their deathbed and say, oh, I'm so glad I didn't eat carbs for the last 50 years. Right. You know, just to love their bodies, love themselves and enjoy life um, and nourish, nourishment, past food, right? Nourishment to the heart, nourishment to the soul. Mm. So that's what I'm most excited about. Yes, yes. So incredibly important. Um, I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you and hear even more about this. But first, let's talk a little bit more about your story and how you got started with this work. Okay, I will try to keep it as brief as possible. Um, (laughs) Well, I, so I struggled with bulimia for 12 years. and I w- it wasn't like once a week, a few times a month. It was very intense um, every day, binging and purging, truly, almost every day. So um, I was a complete slave to this addiction and to this coping mechanism. Of course, I didn't know that at the time. Um, and so that started when I was 15 years old. And then when I went to college, everything got amplified, of course. I'm away from home, away from family, everything. Um, And just, of course, so much more comparison. Um, I joined a sorority to make my mom happy. And um, not blaming anyone, but it was uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of comparison. And of course, drinking. So I started drinking. um, But I quickly became... Uh, alcoholic as well, which it does run in my family. Um, And so I had both of these, just both of these addictions happening at the same time. And really, I completely lost myself. I just, I, when I think back on that time, it's hard to really even understand or know or remember what I was thinking, because I was so disconnected so disconnected from my heart. I was so disconnected from my body. Um, And then um, I ended up getting uh, actually two DUIs back to back, had to go to, uh, had to go to jail. I had to drop out of college and uh, serve my time, uh, which I brought the eating disorder into jail with me. And it really became if I didn't know before then, I definitely understood then that this was my protection mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it made me feel safe. Uh, it was a great way to numb, right, the situation. And it was the only way I could 
achieve an idea of control in a situation where I literally didn't have control. Um, fast forward, I, I was in there, got out, went back to school, got in a really tumultuous relationship with a young man there. And, um, things just really flared right back up, you know, I mean, water meets its own level. And I, we were just both very sick people had different sicknesses going on. Uh, but it really just ignited and just amplified the my own turmoil and I believe probably his as well. Um, but I started drinking again on probation. I things got rough. I left the state. This was in Colorado, by the way. I went back home, never went to probation, uh, had to go back to jail. And again, I'm still, the eating disorder is still my only friend, right? So this time it was for six months. And uh, in those six months, I was a bit older. At this point, I was 25. And I was realizing clearly that this isn't the road I wanted to go down. You know, I was literally alone, so scared. Um, I mean, rock bottom, right? <laughs> really a rock bottom. Um, and so when I got out of that uh, of jail, um, I got sober. I started going to AA. I got sober and everyone was like, yay, throw Jillian a parade. Because it was very obvious that drinking was running my life, um, right? Like getting sent to jail, getting kicked out of school. It's very clear to people on the outside that this was, quote, the problem. Um and it was a problem. I'm not, I'm definitely not saying it wasn't. Uh, but I stopped drinking. And then I remember, like, I got that first year sober chip, got the second year sober chip. And every time I would walk up there and get it and everyone's clapping and my family's there, I just felt so much shame. Because here I am trying to walk the line, trying to be someone of substance, of honesty, um, um, of doing well and integrity. And I have this, quote, secret, this deep, dark, gross, disgusting secret. By the way, I'm not saying eating disorders are gross. This is just how I felt. Mm. Um, and, and it was complete dishonesty. I'm hiding this from everyone. And so um, two and a half years into my sobriety, I relapsed just went on a tear, had to, I, at this point, I was engaged to be married, I had a, quote, good job, um, and I just didn't show up to work for two weeks, had to go to medical detox, and I was like, then in detox, I was like, something has got to change, like, I'm 26, almost 27 years old, I cannot keep doing this, and I really do think that that happened because I was still in the eating disorder. I was just unable to, my insides weren't matching the outsides, you know, and I just couldn't take it. And um, so I immediately was just got so into anything that could help. I was, I was researching. I, I, I eventually found a podcast that isn't on the air air anymore, but it's the home podcast with, um, Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan. They're two women who 
got sober together. And anyways, Holly was a bulimic in recovery. So my ears really perked up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's like me. She has the same issues. Okay. And uh, this, is, this all comes full circle. Um, and she said on the podcast that Gabrielle Bernstein and the book May Cause Miracles helped her heal her uh, bulimia. And so, you know, I'm like on Amazon ordering that book. I, you know, whatever it takes. So I get the book. Have you ever read it? No, but I read her other books. I love her. Yes, I know. She's, she's incredible. She's so amazing. And so um, it's, it's basically 40 days of meditation and reflection. And I had never really meditated before. I'd done yoga and stuff, but when I was doing yoga, it was for a workout. You know, it wasn't for a mind-body connection. So I, and I like really swung into my perfectionism here. I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm going to do it perfectly. Um, And I dove into it and it was truly transformative for me. I remember there was towards the end of the 40 days, there was a uh, meditation on inner child and I, I was in a hotel room, but I was like, I'm not going to miss a day of this. I was in Austin visiting some family friends and I went home early, went back to the hotel room and I got everything set up and listened to the meditation. And I don't even really remember what exactly it said because it truly felt like I was just trans- transformed back to my childhood. But all I know is after that meditation, I could not imagine harming myself anymore. It really brought me to see myself as the five-year-old, the six-year-old, before any of the traumas had happened, before the drinking, before the assault, before the disordered eating. And I couldn't imagine telling this precious little girl, you know, you're fat, you're gross, you don't deserve anything good. All these things I'd been telling myself for 15 years almost. And um, I, after that, I just, it sounds unbelievable, but I never since then relapsed on my eating disorder. Um, And I remember I didn't tell anyone for like three months because I was afraid if I spoke it out, it would like jinx it or something. Mm Um, and to be clear to those listening, I didn't automatically love my body. I didn't automatically um, like eat whatever I wanted. I still had a lot of restrictive thinking and conditioning and, and stuff to work through. But for me to not ha- follow through with the urge to binge and purge was just a humongous step for me. And so I just dove even deeper into meditation, into mindfulness, started doing yoga again, but as a practice to connect to the body and to really celebrate the body rather than punish it. Um, And I just was off. I just began to really find peace in my heart and in my body. And then I realized this was also my Saturn return. So then I was like, I don't, what am I doing with my life? I don't want to do this job forever. I want to do something meaningful. Um, And 
so it was it was quite I know I'm taking a long time I'm sorry but it was it oh, was no. quite please keep going <laughs> It's quite it's quite the story because I started listening I started listening to um I don't know if you've heard of her, Maddie Moon. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, I have to send you her. You will love her. She Please is do. a goddess. She is a goddess. I love her. But I started listening to her because a girl I went to high school was on her podcast. And that girl now is like big in the eating disorder recovery world. Mm. And she talks at Nita events and stuff. And so I started listening to Maddie and she was, she's evolved since then, but she was at the time all about the divine feminine and divine masculine and shadow work. Um, And it really called to me because in my sobriety, I had really swung into my toxic masculine, into like perfectionism. You know, my addiction just turned into the control aspect. So I was micromanaging the hell out of everything around me, everyone around me. And it was really Mm, causing issues, especially in my relationship, of course. So I listened to her podcast and she's like, we're doing a retreat, divine feminine retreat. Um, It's going to be May, whatever the date was. There's only two spots left, like go apply. And I didn't even know where it was. I was like, I'm applying. This was like my first understanding, I guess, of following my intuition before I really knew what to call it. And so I applied and I got on a call with her and she goes, great, you know, everything's great. However it went, of course it was longer than that, but she goes, so it's gonna be in Boulder, Colorado. Have you been there? <laughs> this is where like all my shit You're Like uh, a few times. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I know Boulder. <laughs> um, wow, that's what are the chances of that? Yeah, it was actually um, in the. It was about twenty-five miles up a mountain in Boulder, so technically not Boulder, but still, it was. I was. I knew in that moment. I was like terrified, but also like, this is meant to be. Yeah. So. I went to the retreat. It was seriously so magical, so healing. You know, I drove through the same roads to get to, to get to where we were going. And I was with all the other women who I didn't, I hadn't met before. Um, And it was a beautiful healing experience because when I left Boulder, I didn't trust women. You know, I left that um, relationship that was very, uh, abusive emotionally and somewhat physically as well you know jail all that stuff and so I was here now you know sober and healing I was definitely not healed it's a process but healing and really trusting that this is where I'm supposed to be and uh, actually a girl got car sick and we pulled over and we pulled over in the uh, the parking lot of the courthouse Right, and I was like, "Yes, this is full circle. I'm loving every second of this, and um, it was just so, so beautiful." And so, long story short, it's long story long. Maddie Moon sent me this information for my coaching certification to become a coach to help women heal from disordered eating um, and struggling with food and body. And so that is how I got into the program that I got into to become a coach that helps women really heal their relationship with food and their body and 
really any kind of addiction to whatever. I have drinking in there, right? It's very common that alcoholism or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Alcoholism or like problem drinking in women is often linked to eating disorders. Mm -hmm. So of course that really hits home for me. Um, But what I realized, you know, which I didn't realize when I was in it, but the drinking and the bulimia were just really detrimental ways to numb. There were ways to disconnect. There were ways to numb because I couldn't handle the trauma or processing the emotions that needed to be processed out. And so that's what it is, you know, whether it's, whether it's food addiction, whether it's porn addiction, whether it's video game addiction, it's a distraction from feeling. Beautiful. So that's how I got to be doing what I'm doing. Thank you so much for sharing so open and so vulnerably. And there's so much of your story that I relate to so deeply. And something that's coming up for me as you're sharing is like this collective belief that we all seem to carry with us that pain is not safe. Like it's not Mm. safe for us to feel our pain. And so Mm -hmm. we go to such great lengths to avoid our pain. Like we, it's amazing how much energy we spend running away, numbing out, avoiding our pain. Um, And even like you're saying, like sometimes we'll have like a super obvious, like super obvious eating disorder, super obvious addiction. And then we end up quote unquote healing that super obvious addiction with just another addiction. Like then we start going to yoga religiously to an extreme. Like we have to go to yoga three times a day to just be sane, or we have to eat these crazy healthy foods so that we don't stress out, or we have to like get this much sleep and exercise this many hours and like read this many books to like personal development our Mm -hmm. way to finally feel good enough or finally free ourselves from the suffering and pain. So how do we actually get to the root of what is causing us to have these addictions or protection mechanisms or numbing techniques like what is the root that's holding that in place and also how do we start changing our relationship with pain yeah that's beautiful so how do we get to the root of it um you know what's coming up for me right now is i i i did a post on this a while back and i was just talking with a client about this and we also have, we tend to have an obsession, we as in like the collective, especially in the Western world, mm-hmm. have an obsession with finding the root and finding mm-hmm. the why. Mm-hmm. Like if we just figure out why, then it'll change. I'll never mm-hmm. forget, and my husband, he's gonna, he's gonna not be happy I said this because he hates when <laughs> I bring this up. But when we started dating, um, it, it, he didn't know, but then it became clear. Like I was, I had a problem with alcohol and we were only 24. So really like everyone was drinking, you know, that was the thing to do. And I'll never forget. He, he said, uh, I just want to be able to go to the bar with my girlfriend and have a drink, you know? And I was like, well, I don't think I can do that. And he would ask me like, well, what do you think it is? What do you think is the reason? Like if you go to therapy, what do you think it is? And people ask me, my mother asks 
me sometimes. What do you think the reason is why you had an eating disorder? And I, I went to eating disorder therapy. I went to rehab. I went to counselors. I mean, we could, we could guess. You know, could it be my daddy issues? Could it be the abusive relationship I was in? Could it be the fact that my dad is an alcoholic? I mean, it could be whatever. But again, this is a distraction. Finding out the why is not going to change what is. What is here and now? And for me, that was, I have this eating disorder. I have this addiction to alcohol. And it doesn't really matter why. What matters is, how am I going to heal from this? I, I believe all addictions are caused from disconnection. I don't actually believe that abstinence, for example, is the cure to alcoholism. I think connecting is the cure. Connecting to your heart, connecting to your body, connecting to your higher self. Because when we're addicted to something, it's because we're disconnected from our truth, mm-hmm. from ourselves. Yeah. And what was your other part of the question? Well, I think you honestly, I think you answered it enough. And I want to like dive into this more with okay. you because so much is coming up for me too. Um, and honestly, I forget what the second part was anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I love what you said. Like, we don't have to narrow in on like this one reason and this one cause. It's like how it's showing up for us in the now is all we really need. And my experience with an eating disorder too, like it wasn't just one thing. It was a perfect storm of so many things that happened that led me to do that. Um, And solving it wasn't about going to the past. It was so much more about relating to myself in the now. So I love that you said that. And I would love to just ask, like, how do we start to connect with our bodies in a supportive and loving and nurturing way when for so long we've been restricting our food or over-exercising or overachieving or drinking or abusing our bodies? Yeah. Um, so it really starts with cultivating presence. You know, presence. Practicing reconnecting can look like um, check, daily check-ins. Like I know I have a lot of my clients early on when we're working, like set an alarm three times a day. That's just a check-in. And it's like, take a deep breath. How's my body feeling? You know, what feels tight? What feels tense? What feels expansive? What feels light? What's going, and then what's going on in my mind? People, I, I, and I didn't know this before I learned this, but the thoughts and the emotions actually come after the sensations in the body. Mm. When we feel a sensation, like for example, anxiety, we, we don't understand that our bodies actually receive that information first and then our minds create the stories. We make mm. meaning around everything. So really, when we start to feel that heart rate speed up or the tightening in the chest or the throat, however you experience the sensation of anxiety, um, because we're conditioned and because of just our past and our memories and our experiences in general, 
our minds automatically go to, I'm anxious, this is bad, this is scary, run away, avoid, numb, whatever. So what part of, a huge part of my work with my own healing and what I teach with my clients is understanding that language of the body and then reassociating that sensation. So what if when I felt sensations of anxiety, it didn't mean scary, fear, danger, run away, whatever the story is, what if it was just a reminder that I'm not in my body? What if it was just a reminder that I need to take a breath and center and check in with myself? Anxiety for me, and the other thing with that is identification versus observation. Huge, huge, huge tool that really helps us understand that we, us and our bodies, are not our emotions and thoughts. So when we're in identification, I am anxious. I'm just this way. Um, you know, we're identifying with the emotion. But when we can take a step back and observe and just say, oh, I'm feeling the sensation of my heart racing. I'm feeling my palms getting sweaty, whatever it is. I'm feeling sensations of anxiety. And just breathe into it. And then that's just a reminder that I'm not present. I'll never forget my mentor told me, like, we are only anxious when we're not present. And I was like, because we're only anxious when we're worrying about the past, whether it's yeah. five seconds ago or five years ago, or obsessing about the future. You can't That's be so anxious if you're in this moment. Mm -hmm. So how do we get present? You know, go outside, ground down, check in with your five senses. Understanding that we have three different means of communication that are going on in our body at all times. We have the physical and that houses our emotions, right? Because we feel emotions. We feel anger. We feel anxious. We feel joy. And then there's, so there's, there's the emotional and then there's the intellectual, which is our minds, which is our fear-based minds. That's where the fear lives. I'm not saying our minds are bad. We obviously need our minds. We need our egos. But that is where the fear lives. That's where the fear thoughts and the anxiety thoughts are. And then we have our intuition, our intuitive connection. And that is a felt sense within the body. So another tool I use literally daily, especially in early on in this year when everything changed as it has, mm -hmm. so much anxiety for all of us, for everybody. Every day I was checking in with the three pillars of communication. Like, okay, where are my thoughts at? And allowing them to be there. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. No one's going to want to hire me because they can't pay for my prices, which of course is me, me, me. I'm the star of my own movie. We all are. But rather than shaming and shutting them down, note them, let them be there. Thank you for the information. Okay, what's going on in my body? Again, where am I feeling spaciousness and where am I feeling tightness? And can I resource that love from my heart and spaciousness to the rest of my body? And allow your body to be heard, but then check in with that intuition. Do I have access to the expansion versus contraction? And what is that part telling me? Because that part is never leading us wrong. 
So by using those three pillars, that's a great way to reconnect with the body and then also not identify with all the fear that's going on in our minds. Yes. Oh my God, this is like resonating on such a like visceral level in my body. It's like what you said about what if it's just your body letting you know that you're not in your body. Like that's exactly mm-hmm. it. I've been really, and I know I, we were just talking about Eckhart Tolle's meditation. Um, mm-hmm. I've been really loving and appreciating his work so much. And something that he talks about a lot is how we have made thinking and awareness mean the same thing. And they don't. So mm. often, so often we use our mind to tell us through our thoughts what's happening in our body. But you actually can't think it. You have to just be it. You have to feel it. That's not something that you can describe in thoughts. So you're right. And that's always where the story comes from. Oh, well, I feel fluttering in my chest, so I'm anxious. And why am I still anxious? Like, I thought I got over this. And I thought that I was better than this or wherever your mind goes with the story. But it's like, what if you experienced your body without thoughts? That's, mm. that's awareness. Like awareness is not something you can think yourself through. So you get rid of the shame when you take out the thoughts and the stories. You just allow whatever's there mm. to be. I'm just going to say this because it came to my heart. So I feel like it needs to be said. Um, but when you were just talking, it, it made me think of one of, do you read Young Pueblo? A little bit. I feel like I see a lot of like quotes on Instagram or whatever. Yeah. So he has one that says true love doesn't hurt attachments do. Mm. And it's the attachments, it's the attachments to the identities, the attachments to the stories and just what you were describing that our mind just attaches. That's what hurts. Being doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even the story of I am, I am, it's like, Mm. we just, we describe that through our thinking. I am a a coach or I am whatever your job is. I am a wife. I am Mm -hmm. like a daughter, whatever. It's like, no, that's Mm -hmm. not actually you. Who are you? That's not something you can describe through your thoughts. You have to experience that. Mm. So powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. (laughs) Jinx. Yes. It is so (laughs) powerful. Okay. So I want to talk, I know something that you teach on is resourcing emotions from the body. And so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what that is and how it's done and how we can use that um, as a way of healing and connecting and finding safety in the body. Yeah, thank you. I love this tool, emotional resourcing. I think it's, well, at least in my, in my coaching and my teaching, it's the foundational thing. So when women work with me, no two client journeys are the same, but everyone starts with the same homework on the first day. And it is to practice resourcing emotions and specifically safety. Um, so when we emotionally resource, and of course this also is so helpful to just reconnect to your body. You know, so often I, not so much anymore, but I remember in the beginning, it's like, sometimes we forget we even have a body because we're just so in our minds, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh my God, oh my God, I have a body. Hello. It's just, yeah, I exist from the so, neck up. I existed right. from the neck up for like 15 years. <laughs> like that was all I knew. Yeah. Everything else yeah. was completely numb. Yeah. So, so with emotional resourcing, we focus on the places in the body that we can feel a specific emotion and then using our energy and using 
somewhat our minds because we're using, um, we're envisioning it to send that energy out towards the rest of our body. And so with safety, because you know, when we're get when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling scared, when we're feeling in fear, and honestly, when we'll just take, for example, a woman with disordered eating patterns, whether it's binge eating or restricting or whatever it is, um, there's something that happens, right? That we get triggered and we are feeling discomfort. And so to not feel that discomfort, pain, whatever, we'll reach for the food or we'll reach for the booze or whatever it is. And so I ask what, what are you lacking in those moments? And what are you lacking when you're feeling anxious? You don't feel safe. You don't feel secure. Certainty and safety is one of our six basic human needs, which I introduced that on the first day along with this. So, so when we practice resourcing safety, what I like to do is take them through um, a meditation on first, like taking some deep breaths in through the body, in through the body, <laughs> in through the mouth, <laughs> um, just really settling into the body, closing down your eyes and First, noticing what, where in your body you feel the tightness. Where do you feel restriction? Where do you experience anxiety? Um, and wherever it is in that moment, just notice it. You know, unconditional welcoming of everything that's there the whole time, allowing it to be there. And some, that can be anywhere. It could be in the throat. It could be in the stomach. Wherever it is, it's fine. And it's not the same for everybody. And then I ask where do you feel and experience the sensation of spaciousness, of safety? And if you can't think of anything, I want you to think about a time in your life. It could be childhood. It could be last week, wherever it, where, where, whenever it is. But a time that you just felt so safe, so held, um, just unconditionally loved. And a lot of the time that is childhood, right? I, rem I think of the time that I had the stomach flu in third grade and my mom came home from work and took care of me and mm -hmm. snuggled with me in the bed. Beautiful. You know, in that moment, it's like you just feel so safe. Mm -hmm. We can remember that. And when, so I have you remember that moment and I want you to see it, you know, you can see, we'll use me for example, I can see my mom's bed. I can smell the chicken noodle soup. I can feel her arm around me. You know, I can feel even her heart beating and then amplify it, turn it up even more. And then notice where in your body do you feel the shift? Most of the time it's in the heart space when we're remembering something like this. There's a feeling of lightness, of expansion. For me, warmth always comes in as well. Um, and so just amplify it and picture it, picture that area in your body that's getting activated. You can even imagine, you know, a white light and as you're amplifying and it gets stronger and then breathe in and with each exhale, send that energy throughout the rest of your body. You're resourcing safety from your heart space. Mm -hmm. I actually have a mother who feels safety in her womb. And I think that's so beautiful because yeah. so often with women, there's a lot of unsafety there. Right. Um, so she feels it in her womb. She really feels that in her hips and she 
um, she resources from there, which I just think that's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, but we yes. can do that. So we practice it in meditation to get it into the system. But you can integrate that throughout your day. You know, you can be driving in your car and get anxious. Like, okay, wait, I remember that feeling. And we can allow even the two energies to be there at the same time, the, the anxious energy, the scared energy, and we can allow that unconditional love and safety energy to be there knowing, and I know you know this, what we focus on expands. So if we choose to focus on the love, the light, the expansion, it will drown out those feelings of anxiety. Mm. And the more times we do that, the more we understand that we really do have the power to choose our emotional state. I'm not um, advocating for ignoring feelings, for ignoring pain. Those need to be felt, those need to be processed. But dismantling those stories of if I feel anxious, I'm never going to not feel anxious. If I mm. allow myself to feel pain, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to stop crying. This pain will kill me. It's like, no, we get to allow them both to be there. Mm -hmm. And you get to be the empowered one who can shift and change that energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes it's, it's like just as you start to feel the pain, as you start to feel relief, you can expand that feeling of relief. And then that feeling of relief can become joy. And then it can become freedom or liberation or whatever it is. Mm hmm um, and I love that you said too, like this can be something that's done all throughout the day. Cause I see so many women too, who do this extravagant morning routine and then the rest of the day they're like numbed out and anxious. So it's like, yeah. how can we really integrate the routine and the meditation and the stillness and the awareness into the, into our entire life? Um, so mm -hmm. that's beautiful. So the last thing I really want to talk to you about, I know this is Another thing that you talk a lot about and teach on, and I said this when I introduced you, is the word should, mm. because this comes up uh, all the time. I see this in women that I work with, like around their business. I, see, I saw this in myself around the way that I looked, around the way that I ate, around the way that I exercised, around the way that I showed up for school and work and all the things. Mm. So I, I'd love to just hear you talk about the word should and why that word can be so harmful and what, mm. what would be more supportive? Oh, I love this question. I've never been asked this before. Um, yeah, man, the shooting, it's, again, it's conditioning. Should means that we're already not meeting someone or something standards. Mm -hmm. So when we say I should do something, we're giving our power away. Right. Like down, like down to the bare bones. It's like, well, who says I should? And we know who says it's like our parents, society, whatever. But that's like walking through the world asleep. I should do this. I should do that. Who is setting those parameters who's setting those standards you know feeling the way that I lived for a long time with the drinking and the eating disorder and the obsession with how I looked and I should look like that Instagram model because she looks happy and said you know whatever it is there's no room there for 
for what is for me, for what is meant for me, for what is, that's re- that is just, again, disconnecting. That's driving disconnection. A part of my work also and something I do is connect with my higher self, the higher version of me in whatever way anyone wants to think of that, you know, your soul, higher self. Um, that's really through the intuition. And that's how I try to choose daily to make decisions, not based on what someone else is doing. But for so long, because we were raised that way, because our parents were raised that way, I mean, we we try to hit all those shoulds, you know, go to college, get that good job, get the 401k, have the house, have the kids, have the white picket fence. And God knows that's not easy. It's not easy to do all those things. And then you hear stories of so many people and you see it even in movies expressed in books. It's like, why did I even do all this? They're, we're not even happy we still have a void. And I promise you, and I tell this to every single one of my clients, the love that we are most yearning for, and love means acceptance, um, welcoming, forgiveness, the love, acceptance, welcoming, approval, that, that void in our hearts, that void in our body is needing is our own. It is not society's. It is not your boyfriends. It's not my husband's. It's not my mom. It's not my dad. It is my own love. And that invites in really reparenting, reparenting and healing those, wo- those wounds from our childhood. Because I promised, as you know, you can lose all the weight you want. You can get the nose job. By the way, I'm not saying anything against plastic surgery if it makes you happy it makes you happy but we can do all these things to try to fit a mold that someone else something else a freaking patriarchal society made for us and we will feel empty I know this to be true I don't promise lots of things but I promise this yeah yeah it's like where does it end with that where does the self-improvement end it doesn't (laughs) exactly yeah exactly and when we can make it when we can learn this is my experience and this is my experience with my clients when we can learn to get in touch with our bodies get in touch with our intuition and start making decisions based on what that part of us is telling us we heal so much we heal the broken trust. We heal the wounds. We can heal the trauma. Because how many times did we promise we were going to not go against ourselves by using drugs or drinking or eating disorders or killing ourselves at the gym? Mm-hmm. And we did. You know, just being sovereign. That is like my word of the year, mm-hmm. like being a sovereign being, standing in your power, not necessarily meaning like F you, I don't need anybody, but really 
being in touch with our own energies, Mm -hmm. with our own heart and honoring what that part of us is asking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the should always takes you out of yourself. It takes you out of your own knowing. It, It goes to somebody else's rule, somebody else's wisdom, somebody else's why. The should is always mm-hmm. escaping yourself. Mm-hmm. So I love Absolutely. that. It is an honoring. It's an honoring of what's true for you. That takes you out of should. Yes. And that yeah. brings you into what is. Yeah. That's beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Okay. So something that I always ask every guest to close. I actually have two questions for you. I'm going to sneak in a bonus hey. one. So first thing is if you could tell yourself, your younger self, or the people listening, one thing, using the wisdom that you have now, um, the place that you're at now, what would you tell them or your younger self? Mm. The first thing is, I promise you, your power is in your pain. Mm. Yes. Yes. And you can, you fucking can, whatever you get an intuitive hit, whatever desire you have, and then your brain comes in and says, no, you can't do that. You're not good enough. Source, God, universe, whatever you believe in, didn't give you that hit for no reason. Mm. You can. Yeah. Mm. One of my favorite mantras, affirmations is your ideas are divinely placed. It's like yeah. they they landed on you. They landed in you from the divine. Mm-hmm. Like be, exactly. they're like nobody else has the same exact idea that you have because you're meant to bring it into fruition. You're meant to be the creator of that idea. Yeah, I have to remind myself that too. I mean, it's I'm not a pro cuz yeah. but since I started believing that probably this year, so many things have opened up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it goes back to honoring, like honoring mm-hmm. who you are and what's true for you. Yeah. Okay. The other one that I'm sneaking in for you is what does self-love mean to you? Oh my goodness. <laughs> self-love. Well, it starts out as If you're in a position like me where you've been harboring a lot of self-hate, it starts out as getting to neutrality and then it gets to acceptance and then it gets to gratitude and then it gets Mm -hmm. to respect and then it can get to love and self-love means unconditional compassion, unconditional welcoming of what is shadow light all of it it means presence and honoring that's that's another really big word for me like self-love is not self-love is not selfish self-love is self-honoring connecting to your heart space connecting to your inner child and your highest self and being in relationship with these very important parts of your soul of your body and honoring And when you make a mistake, when you go against yourself, unconditional compassion. So shifting the judgment to compassion. Mm. And just every day making that the goal. That is self-love. 
so beautiful. I have I have chills because it's like that is like my healing journey summed up in like six words. <laughs> Absolutely. And so yeah. many people are like, how can I love myself from so much hate? And it's like, oh, it's yeah. not just it's not an overnight thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I just feel like so lit up right now. Yeah. Yeah, really me too. It's, <laughs> I it's, wish I was in Tulum with you. We could go run on the beach together. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm so happy to have you on. Um, and it's been mm. such an honor to just hear from you and hear your story and hold space for you to share. Mm. Um, yeah. It, it is a true honor. And Honestly, when you asked me, I was like, ah, I've been wondering when she was going to ask me. <laughs> I just feel so connected to everything that you're about. Um, know, so it, it, it is an honor to be here, to share this space with you. This is what I love about social media, that we've connected. I feel such a true bond with you. And I know this won't be the last time we collaborate yeah. together. Yeah, I know. I I feel the same to everything that you said. And for anyone that's listening, Jillian and I met on Instagram. I don't even know exactly how. It yeah. was like one of those stumble upon each other and like just obsessed with everything that each other says and like everything yeah. resonates and like we connect our stories, like we shared our stories like really immediately upon connecting. And um, yeah, it was only a matter of time before you were going to be on the show. And I'm so glad mm -hmm. that this is the time that it got to happen. Um, and, and this won't be the last time we collaborate for sure. Yeah. Will you tell everybody where they can find you if they want to learn more? Yes. Um, I, you can find me on Instagram at Jillian Redrow. My website is JillianRedrow.com. And yeah, you can shoot me an email, shoot me a DM. I hang out there a lot. I'd love to connect. And I actually have a free five-day reconnect to your body for self-love challenge in my link in bio and Instagram. It's free. I would love for you guys to give it a whirl and let me know how it goes. Mm. Yay. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Everybody go check Jillian out. And thank you again so much for being here, my love. Thank you so much. Have so much fun in Tulum. Thank you so much for being with me today and listening to the Goddess Talk podcast. If you like these episodes, I would deeply appreciate you subscribing and leaving a five-star review. You can come and visit me online at goddessbrandco.com or connect with me on Instagram at I am Kristen Lynch. Sending so much love and I'll see you on the next episode.